It's time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine. But there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death. By video. Time for death. By video. With Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. Alright, and welcome to yet another episode of Death by Video. I am Graham. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Lillian. Yay, we're all back. And this is a return to after um, uh, scheduling issues prevented us from recording last week. Uh, this is our return to the Canadiana series where we're going to be watching David Cronenberg's Rabbit. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited. I haven't seen this one. Kid is totally pumped, but he's really silent about it. Huge fan. Of Cronenberg? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So have we? Have, so what Cronenberg films have we seen before, guys? I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen Shivers or The Brood. Actually, I've seen Rabid, uh, Videodrome, The Dead Zone, The Fly, uh, Dead Ringers, Naked Lunch, Crash, The The uh, Existence, uh, History of Violence. What did uh, uh, Eastern Spider? Promises? Spider. Have you seen Spider? No, I haven't seen Spider. Okay. Um, I saw Cosmopolis and didn't like it. And Me I haven't neither. seen Maps to the Stars. I've seen Maps to the Stars. Um, Go, Phil. What have so you seen? So I've seen all of his movies except for Stereo, Crimes of the Future, and Fast Company. Right, his early shorts, yeah. Stereo and Crimes of the Future. Although Fast, Fast Company, Company was like his car movie. That was his attempt to get out of the uh, the horror genre. Yeah, because he made that between Shivers and Rabbit, if I recall correctly. I thought or it was, was between, between Rabbit and Videodrome. No, between Rabbit and The Brood. Right, right, right. Because Videodrome came out after Scanners. Oh, Scanners, I forgot about that. I love that movie. Yeah, Scanners. Heads awesome. blow up. Yes. Um, li- yeah, Videodrome and The Dead Zone came out the same year. Mm-hmm. And he is Toronto's own David Cronenberg. Yes. Um, North Toronto alumnus. Yep. So, Lil, what are your thoughts on, or what, are you, what David Cronenberg movies have you seen? Um, I guess most of the early ones, like Dead Ringers and The Fly and um, Videodrome. Yeah. Uh, Shivers, I, 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 I'm not sure if I, I don't, I don't that doesn't ring a bell. Shivers is, uh, aka, they came from a twin thing that involves, uh, involves well, like a, gen, a lab created STD. It comes in the form of like a turtle like parasite. parasite. Yeah, and it infects an entire apartment complex, mm-hmm. a, a Montreal apartment complex. Highly yeah, he couldn't actually get his earliest films financed in Toronto. He had to go to Montreal yeah. to, to film Yeah, them. Ivan Reitman was one of the producers on that one. That was back when Ivan Reitman was known for like the 70s. Right, for Cannibal movies. Girls yes. and, and yeah, That's pre-Meatballs. Um, and supposedly Cronenberg lost, um, he got evicted from his apartment after Shivers came out because mm-hmm. there was a right prominent right-wing critic. I think it was... Um, Robert Falford, I think he writes for National Post. Still. Was he the guy that wrote for Saturday Night, the magazine? Yeah, he wrote for and Saturday Night. And then it got night. debated in the House of Commons, right? That's right. After that article, and that, 
that caused like a real shit storm because like the article was titled something to the effect of like this is what your tax dollars are funding and mm-hmm. he gives it was like this long summary of shares and that article made a serious impact and yeah supposedly Cronenberg's landlord was like nope yeah it I took don't him, want this it took him as my tenant. a while to finance get his second film financed and that was rabid I uh, unfortunately I haven't seen a lot of earlier Cronenberg. I'm more familiar with the um, the later period stuff. I have seen The Fly, but other than that, it's basically the Viggo Mortensen trilogy of um, history, history of violence, violence, Eastern Promises, and um, the not yet mentioned Dangerous Method. Which oh, Dangerous Method! I always forget about that one. Oh, I do not like that movie. No, it wasn't that good. But mm. it did uh, feature Viggo Mortensen as Sigmund Freud and uh, Michael Fassbender as uh, Carl Jung. Good old Fassbender. I like to call him Fassbender. <laughs> oh, and Kira Knightley's in it too. Yes, she is. Oh, I didn't know that I, was I, I, front of her. Okay. Louie, while you're here, like I remember, because um, the, there's a scene in the Brood that's shot at your old elementary school, Brown. Ooh, yeah, cool. Fun fact. That's neat. But what I did want to mention um, is that uh, you, um, you, me, uh, I'm referring to Graham, Graham. when I say you, mm-hmm. uh, and Scott Shirick, the oft-mentioned, never heard of Scott Shirick, went to go see. We went to go see the Cronenberg retrospective at the uh, Bell oh, yeah, the, Lightbox. Um, the, the, not the retrospective; it was the exhibit. The exhibit, yes, mm-hmm. which was neat. We uh, posed with the naked gun guy at naked the bar. Lunch, not naked, naked, naked lunch. Lunch. Naked lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Nelson was not in attendance. That's too bad. That Rest was an awesome exhibit. Yeah, R.I.P. Leslie Nielsen. It would be, it'd be great if, if somehow David Cronenberg wound up directing Naked Gun Four. Yes, that would be good. It'd be a very different movie. There would be, there be a literal Naked Gun, and he would oh, actually, yeah. and it would still star O.J. Simpson. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson fresh out on parole. Oh, too soon. Um, it's fine. The juice is loose. Um, so we should mention. Um, uh, we do have uh, an RIP. Uh, is it John Hurd? John Hurd. John Hurd yeah. passed away. He was the um, most people of our generation would know him as the father from the first two Home Alone yep. films. He was also in The Sopranos, and yes, he, as the dirty detective. Exactly. He was in Martin Scorsese's After Hours. That's right. He was in Chud. Oh, Chud. Which also had Daniel Stern seven years before Home Alone. Right. It was a bit of a reunion for them in, yes, uh, in it Home was, Alone. Yeah. Um, John Hurd was also in Big. That's mm-hmm. something a lot of us millennial, maybe us millennials, know very well. And Kit's nodding his head. Uh, I was just agreeing with Big, and I'm trying to remember—is yeah. he like Tom Hanks's friend in that one, or oh, his, his colleague? Yes, it's his colleague. And then he, apparently he's in the Gladiator, which I just read in the obituary, but I didn't—I didn't remember him being in that. Which I, Gladiator? There's been a couple movies called Gladiator. John Hurd made a comeback with uh, Shirtless being in the Sharknado. Oh yeah, he was in the first Sharknado film. It was very much like I remember watching Sharknado. A, it's a boring movie, but B, when he showed up, I was like, oh really? That's where he wound up because he was nominated for an Emmy for his role in the work in The Sopranos back in 1999, I believe. And he's then, only in the first season, yeah. Yeah. And then it was all shark. We, we know what happens to him in that yep. one. By the way, if you're hearing any construction sounds in the background, they are building a condo next to the abandoned video store. <gasps> They're not tearing down the abandoned video store, are they? Yeah, we have successfully petitioned the city. This will become. This is becoming a, uh, a, per, a municipal heritage building um, because apparently the first ever copy of Picture Claire was rented from here back in 19. 19- 89. With, um, Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis, yeah. I was thinking that same movie. Who Who's the guy in it? There's, uh... Calum Keith Rennie? 
Yeah, from um, uh, Hardcore Logo. Yeah. And Due South. And Due South, yeah. And Twitch City. Yep. And the short-lived series, The Firm, which was shot in Toronto. Twitch and City was also a short-lived series. But it was good. But it was, it meant, was, to be, series, it was meant to be a short-lived yeah. series. And it lasted like two seasons, though. And it had Molly Parker in it. Awesome. Yeah. And Don McKellar. And uh, the King of Kensington. What's his name? Um, Al Waxman. Good old Al Waxy. Um, yeah, so uh, have we seen anything good in the last week? Started Glow. Oh, yeah, the television series Glow. Yeah, uh, so far so good. It's fine. It's good. We watched, We rewatched Martin, and that's an yeah. excellent, forever underrated Romero film. Yeah, we should point out that as we're recording this, George Romero passed away less than seven days ago. Um, our episode on remembering George Romero uh, has gone up already. It was something that I recorded on my own. Um, and it, it, it contains our review of Nemesis afterwards. Um, so it's still fresh in our heads. I'm, I'm still kind of bummed out about it. Um, and R.I.P. Martin Landau. In case yes, Martin Landau. Um, we are going to be... I know. He... And Chester Bennington. Who was that? From, from Lincoln Park. He committed suicide. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, no matter how much you hate Lincoln Park, no, it's, no, a, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. Anytime, like... And, like, you got to look at Lincoln Park. Like, I was never a fan of their music, but so many people I knew were. He also... He uh, has an acting role. I think it's Saw 6 and or Crank and Crank 2. He oh, he's in, in, he's in both of those. the first okay. two Crank movies. Or the only Crank and movies. And Chester Bennington filled in for Scott Weiland. I think it was after... Scott Weiland died. He was like touring member Stone Temple Pilots, mm-hmm. or at least it was when Scott Weiland was strung out and jumped. That were like Chester Bennington was doing vocals with Stone Temple Pilots. When wasn't Scott Weiland strung out? 1993. That's well, Scott Weiland's dead, so you can say Scott he's no longer strung out. Oh, yeah, fair, we're fair. not, and we're not, we're not mocking. And also, the passing yeah, of Scott I know. Weiland. And also, Chester Bennington, it was revealed, was good friends with Chris Cornell. Oh geez, so yeah, so yeah. yeah I'm it, sorry. This like, I've taken we're, taken this in a very depressing it, direction. It's fine. We, yeah, like I mean, I don't think any of us here were big Lincoln Park fans, but we do. Um, we do, you know, share in the sympathies. Like I, like definitely, I think I was really affected by George Romero's passing more than a lot of people I know. Like it, it kind of ruined me for a day. Um, but yeah, so in the last, oh, thank you, Lil. Lil's giving me a supportive tap on the shoulder um so in the last uh since we last recorded i've watched the documentary killer legends which uh explores various urban legends in north america interestingly enough the the poisoned or like uh razor blade in the halloween candy was not true it was a myth first and then the only case of a child dying from poison in candy was actually a father who poisoned his son it was very sad to learn but more terrifyingly the slasher film is actually very much inspired by a true event of a masked maniac going around the woods killing kids uh, that were going up to Lover's Lane in the 1940s, late 1940s. Uh, it became the basis for the film The Town That Dreaded Sundown. It was really scary. Um, I've also seen the uh, the late 70s film Blue Sunshine, which is awesome, uh, very thrilling. It's about basically a bunch of people that spontaneously lose all their hair and become <laughs> homicidal. Um, but they find out, interestingly enough, that it's all these people, what they had in common was they, they did the same batch of acid back in 1967, and now it's 10 years later. And the effects of that one batch of acid has like turned them all homicidal and crazy. I watched such a great early 80s film 315 the moment of truth i need to watch this it was never released on dvd in north america it stars adam baldwin 
and Deborah Foreman, Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl and My Chauffeur. And it features some of the gang members from Tough Turf. And it also features in one brief, wonderful scene, the one, the only. Gina Gershon? She's in it, but she's in more than one okay. scene. Wings Hauser. Yes, Wings Hauser. As old Huck? Old Huck. Huck, <laughs> Huck Finney. For all you Get Even fans out there, yeah, as 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 Deborah Foreman's dad, so he's the do, the, the father of a teenage girl, and he comes over to her house when Adam Baldwin is leaving, and like he, they're out for the night, and uh, Adam Baldwin's character, his name is Joe, and he's like, "Hey, Joe, it's time to go." <laughs> it's so good. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs> yeah, um, but it's, it's very cool. It's like it's like as if Sergio Corbucci directed Tough Turf. It's such a good film. Um, You're hyping this very well, Graham. Yeah, and then I watched uh, Day of the Dead um, on Monday, uh, July 17th. I gotta say, Graham, when he's like really on a movie and he like recommends it, it's like the best thing ever, right? Yeah, I, I I got an hour into rewatching Day of the Dead with you, Graham. Yeah, or I had to go. Yeah, yeah, that was actually my second time watching it this week. Um, that's such a good movie. And then we watched uh, George Romero's Martin, which is sadly not available commercially because of Richard Rubenstein. Um, but it is such a good movie. If you're in a place where there's still a video store, you might find a copy that are released by Anchor Bay or Lionsgate. Yeah. There was a British DVD that was released that has the wrong aspect ratio, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Um, there's also a weird Italian version which features a Goblin soundtrack because it was released no after Dawn of the Dead in, in Italy. I mean, Martin's original score is really awesome. Yeah, it's really but, good. Um, I would be curious to hear about the Goblin score. Yeah, I'm not and gonna it's, lie. it's not an original Goblin score. They just no. took like Goblin's greatest hits and put it on. Still, I, I, I'd like to mm-hmm. watch it in that. <laughs> with, yeah, uh, with the weird goblin like weird goblin musical yeah. cues. Then um, I also watched the original 1970s Gone in 60 Seconds. I've never seen that. I've always it been curious. Is clear that it is not made by a filmmaker. It's made by a guy that likes cars. Because most of the people when they talk yeah. are not on screen. No, you see a lot of the backs of a lot of people's heads, and then the last 40 minutes of the movie is just one long car chase. And like the whole movie, I'm just sitting around falling asleep. And then that 40 minute car chase kicks in. Holy crap! They travel across like six cities in in California, and it just gets longer and longer and crazier and crazier. And then it just ends. It was like that time we watched Race of the Devil. Like I was like, the first hour was so dull, and then like the last third of the movie, it just—it's just nuts. It, yeah, and just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm into this movie now. Yep. And then the last film I watched this week was uh, Mission Killfast by the late Ted V. Nichols. I've never—I haven't seen much of Ted V. Nichols' oeuvre. He did Astro Zombies and The Doll Squad. Mission Killfast was not very good. I watched it primarily because uh, because Jewel Shepard, a legendary B-movie actress, she wrote the books um, Confessions of a Scream Queen and If I'm So Famous, How Come No One's Ever Heard of Me? And she is basically reduced to a role of topless prostitute in a swimming pool. So I was kind of disappointed at that because she is a great actress. She was in one scene in, um, in Raw Force and she was one of the punk rockers in Return of the Living Dead. Oh, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The one who wasn't naked on top of a tombstone. Right. Yeah. Okay. She's more of a new waver in a blue dress, and she had to keep on fending off that coked up guy. It still meets the destroy all movies criteria. 100%. Kid, have you seen anything good in the last week? I was wondering if you were going to ask. 
I watched a lot because I like to watch a lot of stuff. And usually I don't actually have anything to say here. So, And I almost don't this week, but I did watch um, while I was at the cottage. Mm -hmm. um, we briefly watched television and I watched the last half of Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi uh, version. Oh, with, that's with the, Alf, I, I love that. The best, I think. Spider-Man 2 is probably, is probably the best Spider-Man film. I haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet, but I probably will. I hear good things. Yeah. But Spider-Man 2, man, that, that train sequence is awesome. Oh, yeah. That's so that's, good. That's the part I saw. And, of course, Alfred Molina is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Just and when he when he tells Spider-Man, I'll tear the flesh off of her bones, it's like, oh, my God, that's a villain. Yeah, he will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also watched, well, uh, this is, I guess, episode 10 of Twin Peaks. and um, Good episode. It was. Didn't you see it? Oh, yeah. It was great. It was a good episode. I was there, too. <laughs> and, of course, episode one of season seven of Game of Thrones. <gasps> <laughs> Nobody cares. Graham just fell asleep. It was the most amazing thing. <laughs> Yeah, I just totally passed out. Whenever that's what yeah, Game of Thrones, like, I tried watching it, but I kept falling asleep during the first episode, and I was like, nah, I can't get through this. Anyway, it was very exciting. Good stuff. Lillian, what have you seen in the last week? Um, Glow. A few episodes of Glow. Yeah, we did. We already right, did right, that. Right, right, I also that. started watching Glow. Yeah. What do, we, first, what do we feel so far on, on, on Glow? I was mistakenly thinking it was like an hour-long drama with a lot of comedic elements, but instead it's like, it's it's a half hour and... Half hour-ish. It's like 35 minutes is like what they tend to run, actually, when I looked at it. But it also, it's uh, like... More of a comedy with drama, dramatic elements? It's it's it even sort of um, formulaic in terms of being a half-hour comedy. You've mm -hmm. got the way they introduce the characters and stuff mm -hmm. it's all it's a very formulaic kind of thing not that i mind that yeah. and i think i'm going to watch some more but once i understood that it was only half an hour i'm like oh now this makes sense that's why there's this element of cheese going From on Mars, yes yes what do you guys think of the director dude yeah the character played by mark Marin. I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. I love how later on they get into his oeuvre and what was it? What was it? Blood Disco or something or Disco Death was one of his movies and he did like a sequel. Um, he's like a beam. He's basically this fictional character has the career I wish I had. Well, he reminds me of you. That's why I, I asked. I, the, I, oh, really? The there, coked up like that. I like to pretend it's especially you. Especially the coke habit. The, the coked well, up director. He makes the kind of movies you would watch, Graham. Yeah. yeah, it's like the kind of stuff we would hypothetically Our watch on Death by Video. Yeah. Da, da, da. I mean, like there, there was one mm -hmm. part of Glow that I didn't care for. Like, it just seemed like such a telegraph joke when he's like talking about like his dream project, and it's like, oh, they haven't gotten to that yet. Let's not ruin it. Okay. Because here's the thing. Oh, by the way, did you did you spot the continuity or not the but this era specific era in it? So later on, when they're they're trying to pull audience members to come see Glow, I'm not spoiling anything. They they get people that are in lineup to go see Back to the Future. Now, Back to the Future came out the same week as a George Romero movie, Day of the Dead. And I, to, I noticed that I was and it was, but it was Dawn of the Dead on the marquee yes. they got it wrong Dawn of the Dead was released in 1978 and Day of the Dead was released in 1985 but the series takes place in like 86 or 87 yeah was, I, I think yeah. it's supposed to be like late 85 early 86 um, yeah yeah, I, I was going to ask about that because I, I, I was going to ask you about that because I thought that like maybe hypothetically they re-released Dawn of the Dead back in 85 that no. like might have gone like a limited theatrical no, release no, but no. no, it was Day of the but Dead yeah, no, it, they, that, yeah. that was a weird anachronism that was it kind that, of bugged me that year had a lot of great but zombie I films about it. yeah, it was uh, Day of the Dead Return of the Living Dead and Reanimator were all released within the same like within like two months of each other it's crazy 
Um, but yeah, no, no. Uh, Day of the Dead and because Day of the Dead opened in number three mm. against Back to the Future, which opened in number one, which is for an unrated R-rated yeah. horror movie. Although I hear, awesome. I, although I hear its initial theatrical run was not particularly good. It started strongly, but it didn't do well yeah. after that. Yeah, because I think like the next week, Reanimator came out, and then the week after that, Return of the Living Dead came mm-hmm. out. So it was like zombie overload at the theater. Yeah, 1985 was like the nadir of the zombie craze that started. Yeah, it was in like summer '85. Yeah. Right? Yep. All right. So with that being said, we're gonna move on to a kind of zombie movie, but kind of not. David Cronenberg's Rabid. Do we have any last thoughts before we start? I'm excited to watch it again. It's been a while. Sorry, we didn't hear that, but Lil said... I'm excited. I've never seen it. It is um, one of my favorite uh, films from 1977. Cool. Which is saying a lot, because I've seen a lot of films from 1977, including Star Wars. And considering how much you're into Rabbit, you really do need to watch Shiver's stat. I know. I will. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't love Shivers, but I know you'll love it, so... And I have to apologize to everyone here. We had to shut off the fan, so we're all kind of sweating a little bit. Sounds like a yarn. Yeah, it, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a romp. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to watch the movie, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Dun, dun, dun. Something's happened to Rose. Health officials have said they consider the outbreak of the new strain of rabies as being potentially the worst of this century. Don't scream. Don't panic. He's dead. And the dead can't hurt the living rabbit. The Prime Minister was reluctant to officially declare a state of emergency. But as any citizen in the streets can tell you, martial law has come to Montreal. Shooting down the victims is as good a way of handling them as, as we have got. Stop! Stop or I'll shoot! Trust your mother, your best friend, the neighbor next door. One minute, they're perfectly normal. The next, rabid. Pray it doesn't happen to you. Rabid. And on that note, welcome back to Death by Video. So we've just finished watching David Cronenberg's Rabbit from 19... You know what? 77. I, I've been calling it 77. It is 77? Yeah, it's 77. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I wicked it. All right. So let's go back to 1977. Um, so the film starts off with our uh, our main couple. Uh, it's Rose and Clark. 
and uh, they are motorcycling through the uh, Canadian wilderness in the near near winter. They have a crash. Rose is horrendously burned. Clark gets a uh, separated shoulder and a concussion. And then they land at the Kelloig uh, Clinic. Clinic. Sorry. Yeah. Um, where... In a brutalist architecture building. Yep. Take it away, Phil. Yeah. So uh, after the accident, uh, Dr. Kelloig or whatever... He has a has an experimental skin graft procedure that uh, a radical, radical plastic surgery mm-hmm. techniques are employed as per Kit's notes. Kit's notes. Thanks, Kit. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 guy uh, is deemed okay, but the girl is deemed not uh, okay. Not okay, and has to go under. Well, well, the motorcycle exploded, so she has severe third degree burns to, well, as they describe her chest and and around her arms and torso. Yeah. And she's screaming, and she wakes up screaming in pain while mm-hmm. in the hospital. So they attempt this radical plastic surgery where they take part of her tissue from her leg, send it off to a. Her thighs, yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, it's sent away to be uh, to the lab to be treated in some way, which will then allow it to become graftable to any part of her body and become a natural part of that body, not just be like skin leg on her um, on her arm, kind of like uh, modern day stem cell research is doing. They're kind of like predicted in the past. However, this is a radical, untested plastic surgery treatment, and something goes horribly wrong. Yes, it does. People die. What was that? People start to die. They, yeah. event, they start to die. They, they become zombie. They become zombies, yeah. They become rabid. rabid. <laughs> so initially, the... Um, so what happens is is that you, this this uh, medical clinic that she goes to is a plastic surgery um, clinic where like the rich, the famous, uh, and not so famous just go to get some work done. They go in for eye talks and to get their ears fixed and yep. nose done. Nose did. Um, we uh, we meet um uh, what's his name Doctor Kelloy. Kelloig. with his with his magnificent eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Who's meeting with uh, his, his partner his, Murray? Murray, yeah, Murray is his financial. He's like a, a kind of a very Sydney Pollack type kind of like person. like a like a French Canadian Sydney Pollack. Yeah, 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 yeah. But minus the French part, yeah. he's from Quebec, but he's not a French speaker. He, he he's would like fit from in, the English speaking part of Montreal. Yeah, he would maybe. fit in like in the apprenticeship of Diddy Kravitz or something like that. He's definitely yeah. one of the Mordecai Richler's like hanger-ons. Yes, he's definitely from the Saint Urbain part of Montreal. Saint Urbain. As I like to call it, we're gonna get no listens in Quebec after all of our. We're, we're, we're I can tell we're all fighting, doing horrible Quebecois accents. <laughs> that was Kit, guys. Would you like our best Jacques Renault? Uh... The meilleur. It's you see what the Wasn't that one of the lines in the movie? It could be. I don't speak French. <laughs> Look, was that? Are you referring to Claude Lapointe? From the, point, yeah. from the Quebec Ministry de Ilt. Yeah. Oh, God, we're going to get so much hate from Quebec. Alors, écoutez, le rock voisin. The, uh, the rabid uh, virus has spread. What was one of his hits? Oh, Saku. I don't remember. Come on. What was that? It, it aired on Music Plus. Oh, Music Plus. Eh? Oh, God. <laughs> 
Every time I hear, because I hear myself, you guys don't have the benefit of hearing yourselves in your ears, and I just hear like music blues, and I'm just like, oh god, I sound like a, the worst like Quebecois um, stereotype. Um, so, anyways, Tabernak. Tabernak. I was gonna say, can you put one of Rock Wazine's songs on here? I don't even know who Rock Wazine is. <laughs> you and I follow the trace. Laid by people of faith And bright with hungry eyes You and I could conquer the stars If we tried or simply live by Simpler vows And let the storm go by Line by line, the few things it took to survive was your love and heart and mine. Should you go remember these words as they show just how much I care? Don't you know I'll always be there? So anyways, uh, at this clinic, uh, they have kept Rose um, in intensive care for about a month. And then one day she wakes up while the eye tuck man come, is walking down the hallway. And he goes in to look on her. And then she hugs him and something horrible happens. Yeah, it's uh, something horrible happens and it's a very orgasmic embrace. I just realized I pointed the microphone at, at Lil and she just took a big bite out of an apple. It works. I, I liked that scene because it was the uh, the eye tuck guy, the guy who's mm -hmm. uh, going in for the eye tuck, and um, you know he sees her. She's in distress. She's also topless. Her her breasts mm -hmm. are on display. And she's cold. And she's cold. But he's she's a gentleman. Mm -hmm. And um, so he's like, yeah, he's well, looking for any excuse to like, hey, let's cover you up and let me call a doctor right yeah, away. Yeah, you look cold. I'm going to cover you up. And yeah. then she's like, well, let me just let you look warm. Let me let me hug you. And he's like, this Don't is really me. weird. He says. <laughs> This one was very Canadian. Everyone in it is super polite. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, um, he starts bleeding, and he's like, oh, "I, I think you, I think you have something." Like he, he thought he was just did, did stabbed accidentally. Like, yeah. did, you, did you accidentally like hold a knife back there with you or something? And, and then he gets faint really quick, and then mm -hmm. he falls asleep. Yeah. And uh, at a light, later scene, one of the rabid people in the film goes into a diner and make, places an order. And then the guy oh beside him, God, his, his, his order Going arrives. Back to the Canadian politeness. Yeah, his uh. order arrives beforehand, and uh, and uh, and the rabid guy takes it and starts eating it. And the guy sitting next to him is like, "Hey, buddy, I think that's mine. Hey, buddy, that's my food. Hey, you're, listen, you're, I, I think you're eating my food. I think you're eating my food, buddy. Buddy, you better not be eating my food." Yeah, he looks very proto Latter Day <laughs> hipster to that polite Canadian. 
So anyways, we jump ahead and we or we jump back from that scene where the guy's like, buddy, I think you're eating my food. Um, and then, of course, the, the guy, they tussle and he bites him. But if we jump back, so Rose has spread her disease. So she is kind of like the typhoid Mary of this film. She is a carrier, but doesn't exhibit any of the symptoms of the disease, nor has any of the ill effects. So what we learned early on... Yes, Kit? And she doesn't have any, like, heightened senses or anything like that. She's not bleeding pus from the eyes. No. And she is also the only one who has a secret vaginal dick in so, her armpit. Yes, under her... Yeah, so under her armpit where they did one of the skin grafts, she has a opening into her arm which appears somewhat vaginal, which would... Uh, Very vaginal. Cronenberg does like his vaginal imagery. Mm-hmm. As anybody who has seen Videodrome or his adaptation of the J.G. Ballard novel, Crash. Yes. Or Dead Ringers. Yes, Dead yep. Ringers indeed. And a, uh, a kind of like... Uh, Pricker emerges from the from the from the from the opening on her arm, which then uh, attaches itself to someone, and, and she drinks blood through it. So she's almost like a vampire. Yeah, it's like a syringe that like sticks out for a little, like this sort of like mm-hmm. dig hole thing that so like, it's a, comes it's a little, from the yeah, vaginal it's, opening. It's, in her arm it's very phallic. So there's there's a lot of. You guys are so mature. What? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm being pretty literal here. Sure. He is. It's true. Mm-hmm. So anyways, the, the main doctor goes to check up on her, and then she infects him, and then she escapes, and then she infects another girl that's in the clinic. So she uh, she infects the doctor, she infects another female patient there, and then she escapes. And then during surgery, the doctor goes nuts and like cuts the finger off of one of his nurses and starts drinking the blood, and the police are called. And then that's when Clark and Murray show up. To Clark's there to see Rose because she's woken up, and Murray's there just to be like, what the heck's going on? Clark? Is it Clark? I think it's Hart. Hart? Yeah. Yeah, it's Hart. That's Hart who looks like a cross between young Christopher Walken and venture capitalist Robert Hurjavec, who you may have seen on Dragon's Den and or Shark Tank. Hmm. Okay. That was a cool scene. Hmm? I like it. That was a cool scene. It was scene. a cool scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the uh, the surgery attack. Um, and so things are going nuts. The police are called. They quarantine almost everyone there. One of the cops gets bitten, and then uh, they the police uh, who's the police officer who was in charge of the whole situation takes Murray to go see the doctor because he's like, "Where's you know uh, uh, Kelloig? Where is he? Let's go. He's in the back of this van. Just take a look." And then all of a sudden he pops up and goes, Arr! and he's got like pus bleeding out of his eyes, foam coming out of his mouth. His skin is discolored. He kind of looks. Jaundice and he's totally nuts, and that's totally rabid. I was gonna say that's when when stuff gets rabid, Um, as as, evidenced by a later exposition. Never mind. So then, and then initially they actually think it's a it's it's rabies in humans, but it's not. So they uh, administer vaccinations for rabies to people who have been bit, and they think like, oh, that's that's cured it, but it hasn't, as we find out later on when heart again, please. Later on, when. Will, if you want to talk, please take the microphone away from me. Because I, I have to like, I have to go like, ah. No, no, you have to talk. You, you are the the ray of sunshine to this podcast. All right. So then we are taken. Um, so then Rose starts making her way to Montreal, back to home turf. Um, so she earlier in the film broke out and infected a, uh, this weird, terrifying farmer. She tried to drink blood from a cow, but it made her sick. And this farmer attacked her, and he had a very impure thoughts on his head when he did so and then she like yes the farmer who attacks the polite Canadian hipster hey man you're taking my food so so the interesting thing to notice is that he bends down to kind of lick her (coughs) 
sorry. He bends him to kind of lick her chest a little bit, and then that's when the pricker gets him in the eye, which is yep. why he has no eye later He also on. had a bottle of Crown Royal in his hand for the yep. Canadian content. This one was all Canadian content. And judging by his complexion, he's he's not uh, acting when he's, you know... He's pretty albino-y. I believe his exact lines I were... I wasn't saying albino-y, but more... something to drink, and it ain't whiskey, baby. Can, can you do that again, Lil? I'll give you something to drink, and it's not gonna be whiskey, I can tell you that. Something like that. Yeah, it was very confusing to me. Um, what that line could indicate... No one's going to bite? Maybe he was going to fetch her a glass of water. That's what I was assuming. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He had good intentions. This episode's going <laughs> off the rails. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, after she's escaped, the uh, the farmer goes to the thing, and that, to the uh, restaurant, and that's where the whole very polite Canadian... She, she goes back to the... Um, I know, yeah. yeah. I, I missed that part. She goes. She leaves in the night from the clinic and like hurts and this cow we never get to see I, I feel like she tries to drink blood from the cow it doesn't she work does, she yeah. vomits mm-hmm. anytime um, she tries to attempt to drink anything other than human blood it makes her sick but the cow never gets rabid that, so we, I, know that of. we know of um, so then she hitches a ride with a with a trucker as both Hart and Murray are put into quarantine for 24 hours to find out are they ill um, and she tries a, the trucker tries to give her a sandwich she takes a couple bites and makes her sick. Then the trucker helps her back into the truck. And then the next after thing you know. After she hurls. After she hurls. Then the next thing you know, uh, we're back. Um, in, like the truck is pulled over on the side of the road. And this cop stops and is like, hey, what's going on? And the trucker is passed out. He doesn't know where Rose is. And he seems a little off. And there's a little bit of blood trickling out of the side of his face. So, the cop can't see. Only we can see. Right. Because, the, yeah, the blood is facing us and not the cop. That's that dramatic irony. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> um, and so then, what? I I suddenly got worried that the recorder had been off the whole time, but then I saw the light. I'm keeping an eye on it, kid. Saw the light. Sorry. It's all good. So then uh, <laughs> she hops. I thought we were gonna start singing a vase of bass in it. I saw the light and it opened, opened up, up my eyes. I saw the light. <laughs> Happy now. No one's living without you. We're recording without you. It's actually the sign. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So anyway, she hitches a ride. She. So anyway, she hitches a ride back to Montreal with this kind old lady who we don't know what happens, but we assume she dies. She uh, meets up with her friend Mindy, who we thought her name was Wendy. And so that kind of ruins the joke later on when we say that she had Wendy's for lunch. Um, I think you made that joke, Graham. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I did. And it was funny. You all laughed. And, and, you and, tried and then to get we it realized it was Mindy and you said what? I had nothing. Mindy Project? Oh. He, he tried to go with a Mindy Project reference and it didn't work. And I see that he still inserted the Wendy's joke into the podcast, even though it doesn't really work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was good. It was good while it lasted. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, so anyway, she's in Montreal and she starts going around. She goes to an adult theater and, uh, some weird guy notices her right away. And, uh, With Kit, huge colors. Kit, yeah. take us through that scenario. What happened when she goes to the adult film theater? Well, she, she sits kind of like right in the middle of the theater, um, mm-hmm. with her like fur coat on and skeevy, kind of skeevy Phil, I think we've decided. Skeevy Phil? <laughs> Based on our own Phil Bardak? <laughs> yeah. 
He had uh, he had Phil's look, except he had giant collar and like seventies <laughs> clothes and stuff like that. And, and horrible of... facial hair. Yeah, Phil has wonderful facial Phil hair. Phil is much more handsome. Let's just get that out of the Thank way. Thank you. Yeah. That's why I said skeevy Phil. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's kind of like. Um, yeah, it's definitely like seventies pimp or cocaine dealer fashion. Shady, a shady guy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, so he sidles over to her and he does some... He kind of touches her face weirdly he and plays it off as if like, oh, I, was, I was taking off my jacket and somehow I touched your face. Yeah. I was hoping you did that on purpose, she says. No, 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 she says, I thought you did that on purpose. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I didn't. And then she's like, I can never go to one of these films without some weird guy coming up to me and trying to flirt with me. Mm-hmm. Well, then how about I sit next to you? All I ask is a few handfuls of popcorn. That's what he says. Yeah, and then he, he gets more than a few handfuls of popcorn, though. He's a handful of something else. <laughs> handful of death. <laughs> handful of death. That's a little country album. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, he goes. He, he, <laughs> he goes in for a feel, and unfortunately, he puts his hand right where uh, the infecting stinger is, and the, the, the dick armpit. <sighs> you guys gotta vulgar up any everything. With a dick armpit coming out of it. Yeah. Slash vagina. It's the whole toss-up. Right? What do we call it? Like, all the portals in one? Yeah. 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 Or we can just call it her infecting her body, orifice. Her body cavity. Yes. Sure. Um, so her infecting orifice? I don't know if that's so a anyway, lot better. Well, anyways, we cut, we cut back to her on the street, walking down the streets of Montreal, and we cut back to the theater, and the guy's passed out, and he's starting to foam at the mouth, and you know he's going to go rabid. So anyways, um, Hart and Marie get out of quarantine, and they're racing back to Montreal, or Montreal, as they call it. I don't know if they actually call it that. Um, MTL, as the kids call it. Yeah. MTL. Montreal. Oh, we're so going to hell for this. Sorry, when you said heart, like I just had this vision of John DeHart in this and it just made things so real. <laughs> I think we can all say right now that we greatly miss the presence of John DeHart. We do. John DeHart could have been in this movie. Please he come, would not have been out of place. Please come back, John DeHart. Yeah, he totally yeah, would have been. Would have, he would have rocked this movie for sure. Yeah, in a turtleneck. <laughs> and a fur collar jacket, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd need some leather. He would have gone rabid, though, pretty pretty early on, I think. Yeah, he, he'd probably want one of those like leather bomber jackets. He'd probably be one of the kind of douchey guys sidling up to Rose there and being like, hey, why don't I get close to you? Uh, how, about I, how about I quote some Shakespeare at you? And, uh, <laughs> you Here's wanna, some Hamlet. Want to come to a bubble bath with me? Um, to be I'm, I'm gonna... or not to be. <laughs> I'm going to sing you some country songs real quick. And that's the end of John DeHart. <laughs> He would have been like, oh, you and then, like rabid John the Heart would be amazing. Mm-hmm. He's be walking down the street being like, to be or He's not to be. The mouth, yes. Come on, let's do the shimmy slide. Um, <laughs> oh, the shimmy slide. Oh, okay. So, anyways, back to, back to the movie, guys, that we're actually talking about here. Um, so she basically goes around Montreal, spreading the disease, and all of a sudden, a the the authorities realize, hey. This isn't rabies. This is something else. And they declare martial law. Now, it's important to note also that in the 1970s, 
Canada had declared martial law in Montreal and Quebec beforehand, back in the October crisis of 1970, I think it was? 1970, yeah. 1970, when the uh, the FLQ... Um, the the you know back when terrorism was was a was a whites only sport um blowing up second cups and all yeah just being dicks um they uh kidnapped a british uh, minister and a, a canadian politician and uh then uh, prime minister pierre trudeau declared martial law and uh and so it was very very much in everyone's mind in quebec and in canada in general and so like the thought of armed troops uh taking over the streets uh was not so far-fetched no because looking at it now it's like oh that's ludicrous that we would have like you know troops with machine guns out in the street but no, it's not lost on mm-hmm. 70s canada no not at all by the way 70s canada was the best i think we can all the agree fashion on that is impeccable very very well, top lots drawer. of station wagons yeah. great patterns great carpet great wallpaper great oh. The wall. That wallpaper, though, yeah. That beach to the punch circuit when talking about wallpaper, and, and yeah, I did. He's nodding right now. I got him. I got him, guys. Yeah, like, like if that house is still around. Look at the around, ticker. Look at the ticker going. If, if, that, if that house is still around, you can just do like, this is the rabbit house. I just want to live in that house with all that wonderful like wallpaper and just like wrap it around myself and go to sleep. That mirror was pretty awesome as well. Yep. On the wall? Oh, yeah. Hmm. So Hart and Murray make it back to Montreal, and uh, Murray lends Hart his car. On the floor. I meant that little, you know, where else would it be? The wall. But that little, that little, <laughs> that little mirror with the little handle yes. and the shelf. Like yeah, it has a little like, shelfy that's, thing. That's Candle holder, yes. even. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. By the way, holy crap, do people you smoke could, in you the could 1970s? You could sell a crap out of well. <laughs> um, by the way, holy crap! Did people smoke in the 1970s? Yeah, like every everybody, hallway, everybody in that porn theater just smoking like chimneys. Every hallway had a a big old ashtray in it, right by the by the elevators or doors. Authenticity. I, I remember seeing like this uh, this clip of Leonard Cohen uh, giving a lecture to a bunch of uh, Montreal University students, and there were ashtrays in every desk, and every student had a cigarette in their hands, and they were all ashing into the desks, and it was very. Romantic, but also disgusting. Parisian. <laughs> Fun fact, cancer is rampant in Montreal. Yeah, I was talking to a lawyer. Smoking probably, was healthy back then. Yeah, he went to UFT and he told me, we had a discussion because I was going to UFT too, and he was like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember smoking in class. Like you could sit in the back and just smoke away during class and it would be all right. Back yeah. in the day. All you need were uh, turtleneck and some cigarettes, and I have to be... say I am very glad. Like outside of like the awesome architecture and culture of the seventies, I am so glad I don't live there because I think the smoking alone would just be like ridiculous. I oh, remember. You, oh, yeah. I was going to say you'd be a heavy smoker. Come on, no, but I then maybe you wouldn't be actually. I wouldn't. You know what though? The cigarettes were less ridiculous than they are now. There's like they're like ninety percent rat poison and formaldehyde. Weren't they just ridiculous back then, and we just didn't care? Less ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know. They were more tobacco, less ridiculous. Now it's like the other way around. I think if anything, they were probably worse back then. Just all tar, tarmaco. Yeah, tar and tobacco, as opposed to like the unpronounceable chemicals they spray on the tobacco now. Anyways, back to the movie. So Murray uh, lends Hart his car. Murray goes to visit on his newborn. He goes to the baby's room. He calls out for his wife. He can't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, he sees a little spatter of blood on the floor. 
and he starts to say, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And then he flips open the baby bath to see nothing but bloody water and he collapses in, in just this distraughtness, sadness. And suddenly he hears a sound from behind him in the closet. Then he slowly makes his way over to the closet and opens the door and then his wife emerges. Da, da, da. Her eyes are black, her skin is yellow, her mouth is foamy. And she attacks him. And we cut back to Hart. Well, you really set the scene there, Graham. That was emotional. Yeah, it was It was an emotional scene. We should also point out that Rabbit, unlike the other films we've watched, is objectively a good movie. Is objectively serious. There's nothing really that we can like poke fun at or be cheeky about because it's it's a it's it's a deadly spot on serious movie. And it kind of pre it kind of except perhaps for maybe the armpit anus. Vagina penis. I was just gonna say, <laughs> it's a little silly. If Way it's anything overall, Cronenberg uh, body horror theme, but it's kind of goofy. <laughs> but that's just his way of getting that um, sexual interaction slash transmission yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He was he was using the concept of a transmitted disease, and in the seventies, you got to remember this is seventy seven, so it's just before AIDS really took off. So I mean, there was the clap, but um, and syphilis. Yeah, but I mean, syphilis was like long, yeah. long done. Like there was no like chlamydia must have been a thing. Yeah, so like he was definitely touching into the whole sexually transmitted disease when discussing it, and also in and the, herpes, and, and also in the casting of the actress. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so long story short. Do you have any old school STDs to rattle off? I, I think we got them all. Okay, good. I didn't know that was the thing we were going to be doing there, Phil. <laughs> um, so long story short. Did we say herpes? I definitely said okay. herpes. Okay, then we got them all. Great. Um, so did we get gonorrhea? <laughs> no, that one we didn't get. AKA the Thanks. clap. Okay, we did get it then, yes. Yeah, I'm a classy guy. I call it the clap. Because it's just sort of like, oh, no, I got it. Oh, shit. Um, I don't, I've never had it. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, long story short, the city is under siege by crazy, rabid people and, and the military. Heart tracks down. So, after... By the way, it's Christmas. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We see a Santa Claus get gunned down in a mall, which uh, was a great <laughs> night. 19- true Christmas fashion. Yeah. <laughs> It's a Canadian Christmas classic. That along with, yeah, Canada doesn't really produce Black any, Christmas. Yeah, Canada doesn't really produce any great uh, Christmas movies other than Black Christmas and Rabbit. Um, hey, what about the one with um, uh, Elliot Goulding and? Um, oh yeah, the uh, silent, uh, silent silent partner. partner. Yes, my sweetheart. What's his name? John Candy. No, not John Candy. Um, Christopher Plummer. He's my sweetheart but- too, but. John Candy's in it, and John Candy's a sweetheart. He is a sweetheart. Oh, John Candy. But I meant, yeah, I meant Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Chrissy Plums. Um... He, yeah, yeah, but that movie is also disturbing. Like, the the woman gets cut in half. It's so disturbing, yes. it's Christmas. Yeah. And in Canada. Isn't it, isn't it Sean? Yes. Yeah. Old school. Eaton Center. Eaton? Yeah. Brand new Eaton Center. Very it was like new. right when it opened. Back when they yeah. had like yarn stores and grocery yes. stores in the Eaton Center. I think we as Canadians are a little obsessed with uh, Christmas. Yeah. And ruining Christmas? No. Just uh, enhancing, elevating Christmas. Celebrating it. <laughs> I think we're also forgetting one Christmas movie that uh, none of us has mentioned yet. Revenge of the... 
Revenge of the Trees or what is it called? Silent Revenge? Night, Deadly Night. Christmas Steve. Bingo. Oh. Ding, 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 ding. oh, well, that goes without saying. Christmas Steve is the best. A Canadian Christmas classic. Oh, gold. Solid gold. Considering 50% of this podcast participated in Christmas Steve, one of us actually was Christmas Steve. And his name starts with K and ends in it. No way. Of course. And one of us was Santa Claus, and his name starts with Gra and ends with a ham. <laughs> I actually forgot it was Santa Claus in that movie. Christmas ham. I love it. Christmas ham, Will. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, Montreal goes to hell, <laughs> and and then um, that'd be a great movie. Side oh, over. I'm working on it already. Um, Montreal goes to hell, and uh, people are getting shot in the streets. And then uh, Rose kills Mindy when Mindy tries to like keep her in and keep her that. But uh, and then finally Hart shows up, and he's like, "Oh my God, what have you done?" And but then, it's sad too because um, she's like yeah. Mindy's. Mindy's been this girl with the cool glasses that Phil was trying to take photographs of the entire film. She's got these really cool 70s big-ass yeah. frames. Um, we've been kind of following her, and she's like been our surrogate as she goes through the city and sees this carnage go on. She's been watching the news with that. Um, who's the newscaster? You, uh, Gordon Mountain now? Matt now? Matt Martin? 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 Of yeah. City Pulse fame. Yeah. Is he? No, no, he just looked like him. It just looked like him, yeah. Okay. But anyway, so Mindy's been going on, and she's been... Uh, it's a Quebecer look. Yes, yes, with the with the hair and the sideburns. Gordon Latineau. And um, I'm gonna hashtag Quebecois with this, <laughs> and we're gonna get so much hatred. But you know what? S'il vous plaît. I love Quebec. I think Quebec is what makes Canada. I think Quebec is a really great twentieth century province. It's not a twenty first century province. Oh, yet. that's wow. We're getting into very deep discussions we're here. Throwing it down. I don't oh, even know what to wow. add to that. I don't know. Well, that's, what, that's why, like, that's why, like, everything cool in Canada now happens in Toronto, not Montreal. Oh, and again, oh, we're we're gonna be getting in trouble. It's now. getting cold in here. <laughs> no, no, no. Everyone in Montreal is gonna be like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Nothing cool's happened here since 1997. Phil has no response. I destroyed Phil. All right. Or 77. Hence, uh, the movie we're talking about tonight. So, so uh -huh. goodbye, the rest of Canada. Hello, Toronto. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Center of the universe. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, no, Mindy's been uh, great and quiet and uh, nice. she's been looking she's after... She's just been nice. She's, been, she's been looking after Rose and being, uh, you know, loving of her friend. And then Rose tries to escape because Rose isn't keen on, on killing Mindy. She wants to feed. Rose is not a... A mindless zombie like the uh, the people who are infected but with the disease. But she also doesn't feel really beaten up about the fact that she's killing all these people. Not, no, yeah. She needs and to she feed. And she's in denial that she's the, the patient zero, the cause of this this overwhelming uh, wave of death and murder that's happening in Montreal. She, she thinks her, hence her taking it so yeah. not as harshly, you know. She's like, I've, I've fed a little bit, but these people are fine. I don't kill anyone. And, yeah, and, they're and all good. It's just a coincidence going mm -hmm. on. But, uh, <laughs> just a coincidence that I have a a, uh, a vaginal <laughs> penis of death, and all these people are turning into, like, rabid zombie people. A vaginal penis of death in my armpit. Um, vaginal penis of death is the international title of rabid. I'm sure it's definitely the Japanese title and probably the Polish title as well. <laughs> Anyway, so as she's trying to sneak out of the apartment to go feed some more, because... Sorry, Lil, you need to do something. No, I don't know. 
which is just funny the polish title as well if you've ever seen <laughs> polish movie posters you'll probably you won't be surprised you're like yeah yeah that's right it could be little bit i don't know what Mo- i was going through może być. Dziękuję. <laughs> Proszę bardzo. By the way, Phil's Polish. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> Yay! We're not being negative, though. You said thank you in Polish, Graham. Dziękuję. Yeah. Yeah. Dziękuję. Proszę bardzo. Yeah, I know, I know a little bit of Polish. All right. Okay, I, you got anything? Thank you and you're welcome. You got anything in Polish you can throw I, I know no Polish. I'm sorry. Corporate match? I don't have no idea what you said. <laughs> our Polish listenership cursing, just Polish. Our listenership. All those those elderly Polish women that listen to our podcast would just stop listening. Um, There's a bunch of them, I'm sure. Yeah. There's but at one. least they're only in Toronto because the rest of the nation stopped listening to us a few minutes ago. No, they didn't. Vancouver... You're all right. St. John's, you're great. We, we were popping in Quebec Winnipeg, until you're fantastic. Saskatchewan, my I God. I God's country. Just great. What? Winnipeg? St. John's. No, no, no. PEI still loves us, right? PEI is the bomb. And Green Gables for life, yo. That's right. We're, uh, we're actually starting our... Um our Road to Avonlea series next week. Yeah, it's called... <laughs> it's called Riding to Avonlea. Um, Halifax, you know what? You could be a little less Death racist. Death by Avonlea. Death by Avonlea there. And like I was saying, Halifax, you can be a lot less racist. Um, oh, we just lost everybody in Nova Scotia. No, no, no. I the said Halifax. The lights just went out. I said Halifax. A special what what to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Yarmouth, Dartmouth. Beautiful, beautiful town. Uh, Annie Ganish, Inganish, um, good old Sydney, Sydney Mines, Sidport, North Sydney, New Waterford. Digby. Digby, Meat Cove. Um, Moncton. That's in New Brunswick. I know. I was... And I love Moncton. Moncton is a hell of a town. I love it. I, I do. I would take our podcast there in a heartbeat if you'd have us. Eric's Trip is from Moncton. Yep. Which was formerly Eric's Trip, which used to be known as Elevator to Hell, ah. which featured uh, Julie jo- Doran. Yeah, Julie yep. Doran. Yep. Yep. Yeah. From, yeah. Good old. Julie Doran was also in Eric's Trip. Yep. And you know what? New Brunswick doesn't get enough love. There is only one totally bilingual province in this country, and that is New Brunswick. And Fredericton, good old Fredericton. Fredericton, oh yeah. really? There's no, I'm saying it's it not wrong. Fredericton. You say that with us hard on? Yeah, Fredericton. Okay, well, that's that's how you pronounce it. There's Bathurst, New Brunswick, Moncton, New Brunswick, Saint John, New Brunswick, uh, Shediac, um, Shediac Camp. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff out in New Brunswick. It's a real boring province to drive through, but wonderful people, wonderful. And the people. cities are good. Like I really like Moncton's got a good nightlife. Fredericton has a good nightlife. St. John exists. Um, <laughs> uh, boring to drive through. Does that mean you kind of like were so bored while you were driving through that you just stopped and like talked to some people? And... It's it's just trees. It's like Maine, it's, it's basically. It's a lot of trees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure the garage sales aren't that picked over. So Yeah, it's not like here where you, should wear, like, you, like, you see a poster on the, on the street and you're like, epic yard sale, thousands of, of records. And you go and yes. it's like... Scurry. The freaking Bee Gees, um, Abba Gold. Although Abba Gold is awesome, but I already own it, guys. And, um, the and the Bee Gees. And the Bee Gees. I'm sure the Bee Gees stuff would be picked over. It would probably be like, I don't know. Um, More than a woman. No woman to me. It would be like Toronto Records or Engelbert Humperdinck. Hey, man, Toronto's great. Your daddy don't know what your mama's going to do tonight. 
So anyway, Rose is trying to sneak out of the apartment, and um, Mindy's like, no, don't go. Mindy notices her leaving, and Rose is like, I don't want it to be you, Mindy. And then Mindy's and like, no, but like, what are you talking about? It has to be me. I'm your best friend. And then Rose hugs her, and then death happens, and then Hart shows up and sees the aftermath, and he's... Oh. He, here's the thing. Unlike a lot of other horror he's, movies, He even sees the armpit penis slither yeah. back into it. He, he puts it all together like that, like, holy crap, you're the one that started all this. We gotta get you to the hospital right now. And, like, there's very few times in horror movies where the characters, like put two and two together on their own and he's just like this is can't be a coincidence that everyone's going rabid and you have a horrible monster in your armpit it also started at the um the kelloig center yeah, clinic so, whatever yeah yeah so she says no she knocks him unconscious and then she meets a guy in the lobby of the hotel or the apartment building and then calls him when he's uh, calls Hart when he's woken up and they're talking on the because phone she knock him unconscious he kind of falls down a he stairwell. falls down the felita stairs she makes sure he's still breathing and we think he, she's gonna kill him but she doesn't she loves Hart. she gives him a kiss she does. does that? Yeah. Yeah, she just gives him a kiss and goes away. Yeah, it's very sweet. After she checks his pulse. Yeah, and then she goes and finds that guy with the uh, crazy yellow, yellow turtleneck, turtleneck, yeah. turtleneck, which you cannot get away with in 2017. And like a corduroy jacket. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, he looks like a swinging professor. <laughs> Probably reads Dylan Thomas and thinks he's the shit. Um, and then he, he... Although a lot of the threads in this movie... It's top tier oh, it's fashion. Good. Yeah. There's so much argyle. It's just like blinding. I um, love it. Mm-hmm. I love the carpets in this movie. Just that big orange shag. Yes. Carpet on the walls. I miss carpet on I the know. walls. You remember carpet on the walls, guys? No. Totally, yeah. I, wallpaper. You like the wallpaper, too. Yeah, but I like the carpet on the walls better. Like, I, I miss that. Remember at the Toronto Reference Library? Back to Toronto, rest of Canada. Um, at the Toronto Reference Library, they had carpet on all the, like, uh, the hand, the um, the stairwells, like, on the walls. Yeah, yeah. And they ripped it up. They, granted, they painted it, like, this weird burnt orange, which still mm-hmm. looked pretty good, but I missed the carpet on that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I just saw as a, a weekend video, the weekend, and it was shot in the Toronto Reference Library, and I didn't even recognize it at first until a friend pointed this out to me. Yeah, the Toronto Reference Library. If you're in Toronto, check it out. It's got some great architecture. It kind of looks like uh, Logan's Run a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or maybe RoboCop. Definitely <laughs> RoboCop, yeah. Especially those elevators. Yeah, the elevators are super RoboCop. So anyways. Pretty cool. I haven't been there in, in a long-ass time. I haven't been it's there in like there. three years. Yeah. I was just going to say, tonight, uh, by the way, our... Uh, our, our dialogue is brought to you by Hop City's Barking Squirrel. That, that's a barking squirrel, everyone. <laughs> Squirrels don't bark, they bite. <laughs> um, yeah, no RoboHop tonight. But no. And actually, actually, we're all drinking Canadian beer tonight because this is our Canadiana series. We've only yep. got one week left. We could extend it. It doesn't have to be just one month. Aww. Right? Right, you guys? Should we make it the rest sure, of the year? Yeah. Well, let's not go crazy, Lil. Look at everybody's face. No, no, no. Just like, because here's the thing. Once we're done, like, so the ghosts came to me in a dream last night, and they whispered the film we're going to watch when once we're done our Canadiana series. As the ghosts only appear to you in dreams. I'm starting to be suspicious about these ghosts, Graham. And, Graham, uh, have you been camping out here? I thought I recognized, uh, I thought I saw your old gym bag uh, in the back there yeah, when I was Yeah, that Nicholas Winding in. Refn um, um, sleeping been, uh, bag looks like it's been, been here for weeks. Have you been staying here? Is that why they're talking to you? I might be living here now. <laughs> Graham, sweetie, baby, honey, sugar. What? Talk to us. Are What's you feeding happening? Pamela? I might have had her for breakfast. No! I don't... This 
Probably this episode took a very bleak turn. The only what? good trash panda is a dead trash panda. Ooh, oh, who said that? No, I went to feed her earlier and she wasn't there. I haven't seen her all week either, Lil. Well, I guess we know why. Graham went rabbit on her. Yeah, if she has rabies. <laughs> well, you guys weren't complaining when I fed you those tacos earlier. What do you think it was made out of? God oh. damn it. <laughs> oh, no. They were delicious. I didn't have them. Now, I should explain, there is a certain percentage of our, po- our, our <laughs> listenership that actually thinks we are recording this in an abandoned video store. We are. We are. Aren't we? Yes. I did not kill a raccoon and turn it into tacos to feed to these guys. I hope not, Graham. Okay. I hope not. We're just going to uh, take your word for it and uh, just know that it's a joke. If I don't see Pamela next week, I'm going to be very upset, though. So, anyways, I like how we're still like how long Kit, we've been running with here. this narrative. I think I might just walk out, guys. Kit, Kit, don't go. Oh, Kit's putting on his shoes and walking up the steps and going out the door. And no, he's not, because he's sitting here on my couch. Um, Your couch in the abandoned video store. Sure. Um, so, at the, anyways, uh, after she meets the guy with the yellow turtleneck, she calls Hart from Turtleneck's apartment and says, like, hey. <laughs> Turtleneck's apartment. That's his name now. Yeah, we were just calling people, like, <laughs> I talk guy. Turtleneck and... 4. <laughs> he is at least the fourth turtleneck yeah, guy we've yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, French Canada in the 1970s. Wow, it's a, turtlenecks it's a plenty. sea of turtlenecks. Um, so... Uh, you can thank Pierre Elliott Trudeau for that. Good old P.E.T. May he rest in peace. Um, so anyways, we go to Turtleneck's apartment. She calls Hart, tells him it didn't happen. I, I drank his blood, but nothing will happen. So I'm staying in there. I've locked myself in the room with him. I'm going to make and, sure that he doesn't turn. And he Hart is like screaming to the phone, don't do it. Get out of there. He's going to kill you. And to the point where like Hart is like smashing the phone. Oh, yeah. He rage smashes the heck out of that phone. Yeah. That phone is no good to anyone after he's done with it. Then Turtleneck rises from That'd his... Be, that's will, hey, now, that, that phone won't live to make another call. No. So then Turtleneck... It's like one of the early touchtone phones. Yeah. So then Turtleneck... Ri- true. Guys, can I get through the freaking movie? A lot of, uh, lot of dial phones back in those days. Yeah. Rotary. The rotary dial phones are called. I had one growing up. <laughs> Lillian, thank you for being here. You're the only reason I can get through this. We had several. Aww. You'd hang them on the wall, little uh, like cream-colored rotary phones that you would just hang on the wall. And you'd, so they would ring around. Yeah. And, yeah. A pro tip: like the the rotary phones. If you, if you have a blackout, you can use a rotary dial phone in a blackout. You can use any phone know. that's connected to a phone line in a blackout, Phil. Even electronic ones. You just want to have automatic dialing. Good to know about the rotary so phone anyways, dial. Thank you, Phil. That was good news. That's pretty cool. No, it's not, Lil. Did you have a rotary phone, Lil, when you were uh, when you were a young? Yeah, yeah. It was um, <clears throat> maroon colored or oh, like a reddy colored. Yeah. That sounds very interesting. Tell tell us more. Really? <laughs> I think Graham is eager to to <laughs> to get off this topic. I had a black rotary phone, and I actually now currently own a cream-colored rotary phone as well. Do you? Yeah, jerks. <laughs> You're such a braggart, Graham. Can we call you on it? No, because it's the 21st century, and I only have a cell phone. It's a prop that I kept. Oh, my God. You have, or uh, video store has pusher? Yes, the video store has pusher. 1993, Graham would use that with phone. With Mads Mikkelsen? Yes, he would. Mm-hmm. Sick. 
So anyways, uh, Turtleneck has risen from his, like, coma. And, it, like, basically we fade out as he lunges over Rose. She's like, I'm scared. And then we cut to a Montreal back alley. We see a pile of garbage and maybe something a little off-color sitting in it. And we watch this this Doberman dog go up to it. And, and there's, like, a mattress eating. there. It's a really decrepit alley. Yeah, it's and starts, the dog starts eating something. And then we cut around and we realize, oh, my God. It's Rose's dead body. And then a garbage truck with military men comes through the alley. With the hazmat suit. And on. two hazmat suit guys hop off. They pick up her body, throw her into the back of the garbage truck. The credits roll, and they hit the switch, and the garbage truck crushes her body into the trash as the credits roll. And Rock Voisine plays us out. Sure. Always be there. <laughs> And the first credit up is this film was uh, funded in part through the Canadian Film Development Corporation and Famous Players Limited. And in the bit part is uh, future director Alan Moyle of Pump Up the Volume and Empire Records fame. Yeah, yeah. Cool. What was it I finally did? Oh, and he also did New Waterford Girl. Yeah, New Waterford Girl. Oh, cool. Which the majority of my high school was in. Times Square, which is a terrible movie, but... uh, I've seen all of his then. Well, yeah. And he was... Sorry, what did you say he was responsible for in this movie? He he just appeared as... He was an actor in the film. Oh, cool. Cool. As what? Do we remember? I can't remember. It was kind of a funny description of... So... Crazy guy in mall? Something something like that. that. So I want to talk about our lead actress here, Rose. She was played by... I was waiting for you to get to this. Yeah, because so I'm guessing... So Kit, do you know who Rose is played by? I'm guessing she's a porn actress. Well, uh, just by hints that you've been so, dropping for the last hour or two. So she is portrayed by Marilyn Chambers, who is a adult film actress in from the what is known as the golden age of pornography. She was in the second highest grossing porn film of the 70s. Behind uh, the Green Door, I think Behind it was. Behind the Green Door, yeah. Yeah. She is frequently topless in this movie, so that explains a lot. So the interesting thing is that this film actually She's came... gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She actually was the yeah. Act- she was like a. She kind of looks like the like a fourth Charlie's Angel or something. Mm-hmm. You know? So before before she was uh, in the adult films of the 1970s, she was actually the Ivory Snow model. That's so right. So she I was on kind of, yeah. the cases of Ivory Snow that came out where it was like 99 and one tenth pure or something, and then she was like infamously fired after it came out that she was in these adult films, and. Um, Basically, after her, basically after the whole porno chic era like erupted, David Cronenberg cast her. It was almost stunt casting, but he also realized, oh my god, she's actually a really good actress. Yeah, it was also like that age, like because it was like that in Deep Throat, where it was like people would line up to go see this in a movie theater, and it, and it was the assumption that at a, cert, at a certain point, all films would merge with porn, porn, pornographic films and become some kind of weird hybrid. Uh, it didn't happen, obviously. But uh, but this was a very strange time in cinema. And nobody told Travis Bickle that. Hey, taxi driver reference. That yeah, that's a great scene with him and um, Civil Shepherd. Thank you, Civil yeah. Shepherd. Yeah. They go to see some foreign film, and it's uh, he's like, yeah, lots of people do this, and she's like, what are you no. taking me to? Yeah. The interesting thing is like those few clips from from the movie don't look at all interesting or arousing um, much like and that's the is it like uh, Rochelle Rochelle the uh, the pornographic erotic journey that George Costanza walked I think so yeah Seinfeld. yeah and he's just confused by it um, so anyway he keeps oh, renting so this film so basically after David Cronenberg's first film Shivers from which, Milan to Minsk so this it's film one girl's erotic journey 
so that's death by video everybody we'll see you next week um can i talk can i can we actually like can no, we actually okay, but, engage but, cinema here and talk about like perspective and whatnot? I, I, did, I did as what, opposed to rochelle rochelle <laughs> <laughs> yeah Anyway, I did, I did want to say that um, I guess the casting, not just for stunt casting, it does play into the sexual themes we've been witnessing in this film, wouldn't you say, Graham? Sure. Um, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, it's kind of treated as if it's an STD, like which is also like a riff on David Cronenberg's first film, um, Shivers. Shivers, a.k.a. They Came From Within. Um, so after, it is first non-student film. Yeah, yeah. first non-student film. So after Shivers got so much notoriety in Canada, it took him a few more years to get another feature film made. Because like, back then, people were making films one after the other every single year. And it took him like an unusual amount of time to make to get it made and had to again get privately financed in this case somewhat publicly financed in uh, in Quebec to to do it because he couldn't make a film in his home of Toronto he didn't I don't think he made a film in Toronto until Fast Company maybe and even then that was um, that was yeah Stereo and Crimes of the Future were filmed at U of T Scarborough yeah those were his student films where they really he took great advantage of their brutalist architecture which films are yes. today to this day like for instance uh, and back when we didn't recognize Scarborough's part of Toronto yeah as it should be <laughs> agreed that was harsh. I was being sarcastic, Phil. You were being serious. Scarberia. Um, Haven't we ripped on Scarborough quite a bit in this podcast so far? So anyways, the casting was done as a response and also to prove that, hey, just because what one person considers trash could be refracted into an art- into an artistic bent. and so. Yeah, treasure. I was gonna say I would refract it into our like art. So he cast treasure. he cast her because you know, he saw that she had an actual talent and uh She is good. She's good. Yeah, she's good. Not amazing, but good. Like good. Yes. That's the thing. She was good. Solid good. And on the back of this film she could have gone on to pursue mainstream yeah. mainstream filmmaking, but the problem again it was the quick money of the adult film industry in the nineteen seventies, yeah. so she got lured back in. And she's she passed away in two thousand and nine. Um so Yeah, like Cronenberg did this like thirty years before uh, Steven Soderbergh cast Sasha Gray in the Girlfriend Experience. Mm-hmm. Although I'd argue that Marilyn Chambers is a much better actress than no, Sasha, Sasha Gray. Sasha Gray was not good in that movie. Although I, I liked the movie liked, a lot. Yeah, I liked and the I actually, movie. I like her performance in that movie, but I just it's don't think so... it's not good because, but I think that was done on purpose. And Soderbergh does, like famously cast non-actors to act because he knows that they can give what they need for that role, but aren't considered good traditionally act, okay. traditional actors. So, guys, agreed. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot during this episode. Maybe it was because I just recorded a whole episode where I was talking by myself. No, what did Soderbergh uh, do again? What other movies has he made? He made Aaron Brockovich, Traffic, Out of Sight, The Limey, um, uh, Sex Lies and Videotape. Kafka, King of the Hill, The Underneath, Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen, the remake of Solaris, uh, Contagion, uh, Liberace, Magic Mike, Schizopolis. What else, Kit? I can keep going. The, the, full the, Frontal. The black, the black and white German one. What was it the German? Oh, the good German. The good German. The good German. Full Frontal. Um, Executive producer and pro, I think guess occasional director of. Um, not the Jinx, the Clive Owen. Oh, the oh, Nick. He, no, he, he, he directed, directed every, every episode. single episode. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't watch it, so there you go. Steven Soderbergh is my favorite you working director. Watch it. It's great. Yeah. I've been made to watch it forever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. So so George Romero is my favorite director of all time, but Steven Soderbergh is my favorite working director right now. 
there like a boy in the bubble one too or you're thinking of the bubble the bubble he also did one in bubble like boy? australia with a bunch of improv actors on the fly i forget what that no so steven Soderbergh is out of retirement yeah, he's back. He's got two features coming out. He directed. Okay, so he's like the Jay Z of the. Um, yeah, he took. He retired to make a TV show, and now he's coming back with a new film starring Clive Owen. Not Clive Owen. Um, Clive James Warren. Bond. James Bond. Um, uh, D- Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. That's right. Daniel Craig, and he also shot an entire another film that he didn't tell anyone about on his iPhone. Also, like uh, Daniel Day Lewis, who is like, I'm going to retire from acting, and then you know he's going to be back. Pulls he back. Pulls he back. But apparently, mm. what he uh, he got so into dressmaking for this new P.T. Anderson film that he's like, I'm going to be a dressmaker from now well, on. Apparently, in. he's very method. Like when he was doing, um, uh, what's the one with the blood? My left foot. Oh, there will oh, be blood. There, he actually there traveled back blood. in time to. <laughs> or no, sorry. To when he, didn't he play America? Lincoln? He played, yes, he played Lincoln, Lincoln and like he Lincoln. talked to people as Lincoln. And he castle. got sick at that time, mm-hmm, but yeah. he wouldn't let he his wouldn't wife was like, please yeah. take this freaking cough medicine yeah. and shut the hell up. He's yeah. like, no, 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 I'm going to suffer in silence because Lincoln didn't have cough syrup and I'm not going to have cough syrup. Yeah, he goes full method. Yeah. Interestingly enough, during my left foot, because the character couldn't walk, he would refuse to walk. So he, the crew had to like carry him across cables and dolly tracks and stuff. And they actually wound up hating his guts. <laughs> So I think your artisanal method goes out the door when you have to be carried across tracks. Um, but, but he's he, a fantastic actor. He's going to be a fantastic dressmaker. Yeah, I like, the idea that, I like the idea that he's become so method that like acting is no longer a thing. Like, I'm going to dressmaking now. Like. <laughs> It'd be amazing if like he gets halfway through dressmaking and then one day wakes up and he's like, oh, crap, the movie's over and I'm still a dressmaker. How did this happen? This wasn't supposed to happen. I'm an actor. So guys, final thoughts on Rabid. Not to cut you off, anyone, but uh, we have been talking for a long time. Phil looks like he's about to fall asleep. Not really. Uh, yeah, so Rabbit, it's it's a good B movie. Kit? It's good. It's not about rabbits, as I thought. Um, it's, it's, it's actually about the disease. A movie about rabid rabbits. I would be on board for that. You mean like Night of the Lepus? No, it was it was good though. I I actually enjoyed it. I as I said before, um, we watched the film. I haven't seen a lot of early Cronenberg. He's really into body horror. Is uh, is there any explanation for that? Well, he, he oh god, that's that's at least half of his oeuvre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, 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 culminating, I think, in the fly. Although he does go on, I think even exis- existence. Well, yeah, is, uh, you need to watch Shivers and Videodrome and Crash and. I, I've seen part of Crash, mm-hmm. the weird parts. They used to show it on Showtime all the time. Yep. Showcase. 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 Yep. So the thing is, he, he famously said that he's always fascinated by the fact that you can have someone who's super attractive, super appealing in a very sexual way, but as soon as you saw what's beneath their skin, their organs, their internal makeup, you'd be grossed you'd out. You'd be grossed out. And he's like, that combination fascinates him so much because... As a species, we are so removed from our own bodies that the as soon as like their their workingness and their their impact starts to intrude upon your life, we get so weirded out and disgusted by it. Her her armpit orifice is disgusting, genuinely. But is it more? But is it more disgusting than your mouth, though? Yes. In fact, in a, it's just, it's very tame in the, in the Cronenberg realm. Like yeah. the body horror imagery yeah, is yeah, very tame. I would say so too. 
Um, so in I also Exist- forgot existence as part of the I was I was getting there. So in existence, in existence, thank you, Kat. Yes, in existence, uh, the the male character asks the female game designer because it's about video games that are actually plug into your spinal cord. Um, they were like, well, if you have an opening, he says, if you have an opening into your body, how does it not get infected? And the character played by Jennifer Jason Lee just opens her mouth and points to it. Like, what do you think this is? So that's the thing. It's like we we've detached the fact that our mouth is essentially an open passageway into our bodies. We have tons of orifices. Yeah. Noses, eyes, ears, the other stuff. The other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the downstairs orifices. Uh, the downstairs. So, Lil, what are your final thoughts on Rabbit? Um, yeah, I've never seen it before, and, uh, I liked it. It was, uh, it was good. There were some scenes that, I, I liked, I liked the... Pace? The pace, like, it was kind of gradual, and it just kind of, like, that scene in the, where the doctor, um, clips, clips the finger... He's like supposed to be operating on somebody, but he's just got bit the day before or the night before, and he's kind of in a daze, and you don't know what's gonna happen. You know something's gonna happen, but it's just kind of like do 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 do, and he's cutting someone's finger, and then he's attacking his uh, nurses and just so you going like the crazy. Suspense? Yeah, it was uh, the, the score. Pace, the pace was cool. The pace was uh, yeah, it was neat. The score of this was the score was quite good. There's, there's a scene where the the two of them, mm-hmm. the Hart and Murray, they're driving to the uh, to the and it's just shots of them drinking just coffee, drinking and sitting, coffee, and sitting in the car, and it's just it was, great. Yeah. Oh, also, I love the scene where she where um, the first night she goes away from the the clinic, and she's just walking down this road, and it's rainy, and it just cuts from a wide to a close up, and then it cuts to a shot of her walking into the bar barn and it's just three shots and they're very long and they're very held but the the score the mood and the performance just sustains you and back to lil's point of the scene with the, where the doctor was nuts during surgery like early on in that scene he's handed a scalpel and you think oh my god he's gonna cut the just go crazy and cut the person up that he's doing but he actually completes the surgery which is an air tuck or something and then he like he stitches him back up and it's only at the very end when he goes to cut the the last thread of the stitch to shorten it that's when he goes nuts and that's when he cuts off the finger of his assistant and it goes. takes over, yeah. Yeah, like cool. those those early establishing scenes, like you you were you were ecstatic. It's like, oh, this is back when films were films and all that. Yeah, so old Grandpa Graham came out. It's the nostalgia too, right? right it yeah. brings you back to watching movies. Yeah, well, well, we're all north of thirty here, and I think that we all grew up going to these buildings and malls that were built in the late '60s, early '70s, and so we're familiar with all that architecture and brutalist structures, like structuring and design. And it's being stripped away right now, and I'm kind of sad about it. Like, I miss the wooden benches in the mall. Like, yeah, I the, miss those. That mall, like that, that had a pretty serious Galleria vibe. If you are in the Toronto area, go to the Galleria Shopping Mall located at DuPont and Dufferin. It is a trip back in time and has been preserved perfectly from 1974. It is still in operation. It's going to be turned into condos next year. But for now, it's still a fantastic throwback to early 70s. In, in, a, uh, in a small town that Let I... Let him talk, Phil. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what are you doing? You're like pulling the. He's like, holding the microphone for me, and plus, Phil probably had a really good point that yeah. my point isn't even as good as. But um, when I uh, one of the towns I grew up while I was growing up um, was Tottenham, which is a 
town north of Toronto. And it has this um, lovely little indoor mall, the Tottenham Mall. And it's, it's one of the very few indoor malls that I remember as a kid growing up that wasn't huge. It's small, it's quaint, and it's, it's just mall. like that. And it's actually included in David Cronenberg's History of Violence, which was filmed in and around Tottenham. So oh. fancy right. that. Small world. That was a really good point. Yeah, see, Phil? It's not just you and me running the show here. Oh, <laughs> Phil, what did you want to say? I, I think I just want to make a point that, like, it's a, the gallery is a really cool hub. Like, all the elderly Portuguese people just hang out on the bench and they just and, socialize day to day. I really like that quaintness. I know. And they also, they, the thing is, like, that mall, like, has almost no change stores. It's all one-off. Like, electronic stores that sell a lot of Jesus paraphernalia. Um, other than the LCBO and the pet value and the price uh, former price shopper now it's fresh co it's all one-off shops and pharma plus or whatever the hell it's called uh, rexall um but i love that in crisp at christmas time because it's a family owned or at least it used to be up until recently at mall they just have a santa claus show up and you don't have to pay for you don't have to pay for a photo with santa claus like it's it's catering to the community and we're losing it <laughs> we're losing it Everything yeah not to go on the soapbox but it's was, it was, it was, it was really cool that every year they got those um they got the outdoor fair in the massive yeah, yeah, parking yeah, yeah. lot. The outdoor, yeah, yeah they have a, they, they're like the last parking lot in all of Toronto that they just want to build condos all you up. You can buy baseball cards from a vending machine. That's awesome. And the arcade games probably still cost a quarter. They do. They got rid of the good ones. They used to have Area 51 and King of the Fighters. Yeah. Oh, my God. Area 51 was so good. A couple years ago, they still had the Terminator 2 one as well. Yeah. The one where you fired CDs? Or no, that was the Aerosmith game. Yeah. No, I, I think the Terminator 2 one was a shooter game. It's not Describe this Aerosmith game. Okay, so the Aerosmith game, I always remember because it, it was on the ferry going from uh, from Newfoundland to Nova Scotia, right next to the Terminator 2 game. And it was almost like a, a sequel to the Terminator 2 game because it was set in a post-apocalyptic future where you had a, a gun and you shot CDs at bad guys. And it was called uh, Aerosmith's like Revolution X or something dumb like that. Nice. So anyways, guys, do we have anything else to add to this, like, <laughs> rambling podcast? Which is going to be a nightmare for me to edit now on Tuesday. Oh, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be so bad. I think our rambling podcasts are the best ones. I'm with Kit on this one. All right, so we're going to... Yeah, we, we, we watched a great movie tonight, and... Uh... Please keep the banner. Our banner was so good. It's going to be a five-minute episode. Tangents. So what do you guys think of the movie? It was good, the end. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, no. Would you say this is proto-28 days later? I'd say it's definitely proto-28 days later. I'd also say that it is uh, referential to George Romero's The Crazies and Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Much more so The Crazies. Like If if you look at 1973's The Crazies by George Romero, it is definitely an influence. Just in terms of the whole, uh, whole like, because uh, it was almost meant to be a parody of Night of the Living Dead when he made it. Uh, just people going nuts on the countryside and this, like, inept government called in to try and contain everything. Lots of guys in hazmat suits tracking down the people. Martial law is declared. The scientists come in. They think we've got a cure, but the cure is wrong. But in the crazies, is it like uh, an airplane kind of thing or is it somebody responsible for it? Like somebody that kind of spreads it? Well, it's because the government accidentally, the, the army accidentally drops a... A... Uh, Sorry, I thought a Disney movie just started. I, I, I watched the remake of The Crazies, and I remember nothing about it. No, it's like airborne thing, right? It's an airborne thing that's launched by the military accidentally. Yeah, no, that's in the remake. 
Yeah, going back to Rabbit, it's interesting. Like, the movie's gruesome, but it's not that gory. Yeah, I mean, it was 1977, and I also think that Cronenberg was trying to dial back. Like, I mean, he was trying to, he took so much crap over Shivers that I think he was trying to, like, how do I still indulge in all these things I'm interested in? Yeah. And at the same time, like, deliver, like, a, a movie. It's also mm-hmm. one of his least cerebral horror movies. It, it's... It's pretty straightforward, right? It's yeah. totally straightforward. Like, Shivers definitely delves into that, whereas, like, Rabbit steps back from that. Yeah, there's nothing really to ponder mm-hmm, no. or think about here. No, he they, they get in an accident in the beginning. She gets treated. They get separated. And he basically spends the yeah, whole movie trying to get back to her. And keeps getting nightmare. stopped. Yeah. And that's it. He doesn't mm-hmm. make it. Oh, in the movie, it's a zombie nightmare. I just thought you meant yeah. in regular day, like day-to-day life. Who knows? <laughs> Second Montreal. You're, you're not trying to endear those Montreal listeners, are you? No. So with that being said, we will be back next week with the final part of our Canadiana series. We'll, we will be covering... Um, Tommy Tricker. Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler. Or isn't there an alternative? Uh, the peanut butter solution. It depends on if I can find a copy of uh, Tommy Tricker and the Stamp Traveler here in the old video store in time or not. And, so and I might guess. have to check the. Uh, are you scared to go down to the basement to check or something, Graham? Yeah, he doesn't want to go down to the basement, much like the Ramones. That's what I was. Gonna, yeah. Um. So, anyways, until next time, I've been Graham. I've been Kit. And I've been Phil. And last but not least, c'est moi, Lilian. Yay! We'll see you next time, and be sure to rewind. Bye bye. Au revoir. Ce quartier où l'on ne vit que la nuit, il y a comme avant. Tantant, autant de vie, de lumière et de bruit, on y venait souvent.